I'm Jean Destro in for Ray Horner. And of course, we've all this year been looking at really the horrific events going on in Ukraine as a result of the Russian invasion and them trying to fend them off. And of course, the U.S. has been very involved supplying them with arms and and, uh, information and tactical advice, et cetera, intelligence, trying to help them fend off the Russians with the idea being that if Ukraine falls, then the next thing that could happen is maybe Poland next, and then NATO gets involved, and then you've got World War III. Well, you know, none of us want that. Uh, but yet and still, there's still quite a bit of controversy, and Congress, especially in the House, just blocked a bunch of key funding for Ukraine, for the military effort there. So what's going to happen in the coming year? On the line with me right now, I've got Dr. Carl Kaltenthaler. He is a political science professor at University of Akron. He's the director of the Center for Intelligence and Security Studies. And uh, good morning, Carl. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Yeah, How are yeah. You? So um, I understand you've been doing a lot of thinking about this and maybe have some predictions about how U.S. domestic policy, how that could affect uh, really the trajectory of the war in Ukraine. Yeah, I have. Um, and the news isn't particularly good if you're concerned about the security of Ukraine and and broader security in Europe. Uh, it looks like there's some hesitation now to kind of fund the support for Ukraine as it was in the past. And this is at a pretty critical juncture as Ukraine is, is starting to run out of some of the really crucial supplies in order to continue to defend itself. So this could have a really big impact on the course of the war. Um, and, and and probably the single most important thing that Ukraine is running out of is artillery shells. And this is a war that is extremely um, fought using artillery. Uh, and, and so if Ukraine does really run out of some of these critical supplies of artillery shells, this will give the battlefield advantage to the Russians. So let me ask you this. I know one of the big concerns in Congress right now, at least one of the kind of themes that uh, folks, particularly Republicans in the House, have been harping on, is that they don't feel that it's in the U.S. interest to keep on funding this, and and the Europeans need to step up, and they need to supply more of the arms. Do they have the wherewithal and the not only the funding, but do they actually have the military materiel to do that in Europe? So the answer is that they cannot make up any shortfall that would be produced by the United States uh, failing to supply uh, at the present level or even at a, at a reduced level um, what the Ukrainians need. And part of it is that the inventories of the Europeans are just not, not as large. They don't have the industrial capacity to step up and um, produce the shells or produce the, the drones or produce the, the rifle ammunition or anything that the Ukrainians need at the level that they need to protect themselves, um, that's just not possible. So Europe can't take over for the United States. That's, that's not a realistic hope. Um, and even if the Europeans would, would try to do it, it would take years before they'd be able to build up the industrial capacity to do it. Even we in the United States are struggling to produce the numbers of weapons 
that are needed to defend Ukraine, but also needed to, uh, for example, defend the United States' interests if, for example, we got into a conflict with China or with Russia. So um, one of the things that's really decisive in this war is that the Russian industrial capacity to produce weapons is huge, and it's growing. And one of the things the Russians are counting on is that they will simply outweigh Western support for Ukraine. And, yeah, they'll lose a lot of troops while they're waiting, but to be frank about it, the Russian leadership doesn't care that much about the troops. But they know that they've got a very deep industrial base that they can count on. And, you know, at some point they just think that they're going to run the Ukrainians into the ground because the Ukrainians are not going to be able to keep up with the kind of grinding warfare that's going on. Um, you know, it's, it's reminiscent of World War One trenches. Um, you know these these kind of almost medieval battles that happen sometimes, uh, but these artillery duels that are going on are just are massive in scale. And so the Russians have an advantage that they can produce all of these artillery shells, and they can also get it from friends. They're getting them from the North Koreans. They're getting drones from from the Iranians. Um, so the combination of Russian uh, industrial capacity for war and then having friends who are willing to come to bat for them um, give the Russians somewhat of an advantage, particularly if we have a West that is wavering in its support for Ukraine. We're talking with Dr. Carl Kaltenthaler. He is a political science professor at the University of Akron. Here's my burning question. Uh, and, and I don't know whether this hasn't, I mean, you've got an intelligence background, so you tell me. Mm-hmm. Here's, whenever you have a situation, you always say, follow the money, right? So mm-hmm. Russia's main income comes from them selling gas and oil. They're, you know, they're a petrochemical state, essentially, right? Correct. And yeah. then we've got this big flare-up in the Middle East where, of course, petrochemicals are king, right? So oil, Mm -hmm. oil. Is there a direct connection between Putin seeing the U.S. supporting Ukraine and supplying them with all this stuff and and then him saying, huh, here's how I can, one, make sure that I get to keep supplying everybody with oil and gas and disrupt the U.S. internal politics and economy by starting something in the Middle East by supporting Hamas. Is there any connection to that, or is that just all in my head? Uh, I, w- I would say that it's not all in your head that there is Russian support for Hamas, but I'd, I'd be careful to say what that support is. It's, it's political support. It is uh, what we would call informational support in that the Russians are pushing the line now that you know, the United States is supporting Israel in its campaign of um, bombing civilians in Gaza. So it's, it's, it's mostly propaganda that the Russians are pushing. The Russians don't directly support Hamas in, in any kind of military way. And I, I certainly wouldn't go so far as to say that Russia instigated this. This was completely Hamas. Uh, and if you want to point a finger at any country... That, that is a direct supporter of Hamas's military. It's Iran. It's not. It's not Russia. So Russia is gaining from this, 
but it didn't start the conflict that we see now in Gaza. Um, the same thing with the Chinese. They're also gaining from this. Uh, same way, though, they don't, they don't support Hamas militarily. Um, this, this is a propaganda win for them because the United States looks very bad in a large portion of the world because the, the narrative that's been spun out there, or the, you know, if you want to call it the, the story that's, that's being told, is that um, you, know, you have Israel that's bombing these Palestinian civilians, and you've got 20,000-plus who've been killed, and they're doing it with American-supplied weapons, uh, and the Americans are, are enabling this. So that that has been a real propaganda loser for the United States. It's a propaganda winner for Russia and China because they've been using it uh, a lot. Um, so this is part of the reason why the United States is, is very concerned about the conflict in Gaza. Obviously, humanitarian disaster that it is is troubling. But it is part of what we call the great power competition in that um, the great powers that we're competing against, Russia and China, are benefiting politically from this. Okay. Um, well, unfortunately, I have to uh, cut you off. On, I, I don't want to because, uh, as you know, we could continue to talk all morning. But I, I sure. appreciate I your insights. And, and I was particularly interested, of course, starting out with that, uh, the domestic support for Ukraine and how that's kind of been waning and what we're looking forward to in the new year. But I, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, came up with that point about um, about it's really Iran more th- than Russia, but Russia indirectly benefiting and kind of having a hand in the propaganda. It's like I knew they had a connection. The question was exactly mm-hmm. how direct that connection was. So thank right. you so much. 